0: Rooftop of the Herman London Real Estate Group in beautiful downtown Maplewood. It's the St. Louis Realtor Podcast with your host, Adam Cruz. Welcome, welcome everybody, to the St. Louis Realtor Podcast live from the rooftop of the Herman London Real Estate Group in beautiful downtown Maplewood, Missouri. I'm your host, Adam Cruz, broker owner of the Herman London Real Estate Group. Here with me, of course, is my co-host, Shannon St. Pierre. Hello. But we're excited today because we have a very special guest. Every, every podcast, we always ask people to email in their questions. And this longtime listener was willing to even come in and ask a bunch of questions. I want to introduce to everyone my friend, Henok Tekle. Hey. Thanks for being here today, sir.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Absolutely. So you started out by asking, you emailed in two specific questions. And if it's okay with you, we'll kind of share those questions, answer them one by one. Keep asking questions the whole time. We'd love to hear your commentary. And uh, I know you made some more questions um, while you're sitting there. So ready to get started? Yeah. Okay. So Hen Oak, if I can give you, can I give the people a little background on you? Yeah. All right. So you are a homeowner. You are an investment property owner as well. Correct. And you're thinking of kind of doing what we would call moving up. Yes. Right? And so the first question that you wrote is how to decide if you want to rent your home or sell it and what to consider. Yes. Because the home that you and your wife live in, you're saying, should we rent it? Should we sell it? I don't know. Right?
1: Yeah. It's uh, like you said, it's just a little small right now. Um, And owning property is uh, in our goals that we want to have, have a couple more properties and why not keep it? Because it's in a really good uh, school district. So... Those are the things that we kind of considered, but I'm sure there's a lot of things that we're not thinking about that you guys could help us out with.
0: Sure. I think there's a lot of things that come into consideration. You know, like I'm curious why you would even consider keeping it and renting it. It sounds like you're saying, hey, I want to own rental properties. Yeah. Right. And so we're going to kind of jump around here and answer this question, I think, sort of willy nilly. I think. Cause so we're, we're-
2: going to focus on this one before just stating the, the next let's, one. Let's focus on okay. this question first. Yeah. So with this one, I guess. If you rent it, do you know the average rent for that area? And if so, do you know that you would actually make money? Because otherwise, what's the purpose in keeping it?
1: Yeah. So um, what we did was we tried to look on Zillow to see what other properties were kind of renting for. And uh, actually, my wife, the number that she had was significantly higher. And I was like, there's no way we're going to be able to get it. That's how we started the research uh, on it. And I think... We would break even or maybe make $100 on it, uh, but it's mainly uh, paying down that uh, equity because uh, we have a shorter mortgage on that. And the way I look at it is if it's paid off in 15 years, uh, let's say we have a kid, the income that we would have from that, it would help to be able to pay for the college expense for our kid because of the income that would be coming in. It's more of a long play down the... Long you know, game. Yeah, long game, yep.
2: Okay, so it sounds like you have the the reason for why you want to rent it, which is probably one of the biggest things for consideration, is what's your main goal. So your goal is not cash flow. Your yeah. goal is to have somebody pay down this mortgage and then... How old is your daughter? Fifteen years or so, like non ex-
1: existent yet.
2: Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So even Just, better, yeah. right? So yeah. we even have more time. Yep. So your future child comes along. And so there are a lot of investors, and I know several that have done this where they buy a building when a child technically is born, a building meaning a home or whatever, and put it on a fifteen year mortgage, rent it out for it to be paid for monthly, or you know, rent it out for it at least cover those costs. It doesn't necessarily cash flow, maybe $50, $100, maybe. Yep. Um, and at the end of the day, you'll notice that that 50 or $100 actually is not there because you're going to be doing other repairs. Or you're going to be paying someone to for maintenance and so on and so forth. But So I do know a lot of investors who buy a property and then have put it on a 15-year mortgage, buy it down, and then and fit, when the child goes off to college, they refi it, take out that whole lump sum. So what? Hundred, hundred and fifty thousand, 150000 maybe $200,000, and then that's what they use to pay for the college education and, again, continue to rent it out. So that new mortgage is now being paid again by that, that renter. Yep.
0: Let me ask you, so, if you're, if you're going to do that, I mean, you said so your goal is not necessarily cash flow, but I think his goal is cash flow. You're just saying maybe you don't need the cash flow right now, but if you were going to do I this... But I think when
2: you're talking in terms of cash flow in investment properties... Cash flow somewhat implies a monthly yeah, cash right. flow. But he's not trying to cash flow anything. He's just trying to... Um, You're not? I mean, if you
0: could make money every month oh, starting no, today, yeah, wouldn't yeah, you? you right.
2: Yeah. So he's saying, I want this to be my college plan for my kid. Instead of saving for the three... Whatever the college savings plan is that the state has, this is a better way to maybe approach college savings. But yeah, I guess right.
0: my question is, if... Hinoak came in here today and said, hi, Adam, I'd like to buy a rental property. Right. Mm -hmm. And okay, great. Would we sell him this house that he's currently (laughs) thinking of keeping as a rental property?
2: Maybe I, when someone comes in and says, I want to buy investment property, the number one thing I ask, one of the first things is, you know, what's your goal? Uh No, no. is it, is it to buy a, a building that hopefully appreciates, which I'm assuming maybe the house does, um, because you said it's an area that's a desirable school district, so now we're still assuming, you know, that it will appreciate. appreciate. And he in it um, and is usually as a college plan versus cash flow. Now, so and so when people come in, they either say cash flow or appreciation.
0: Well, then, when in, the, in your example that you gave, why would the why would the um, investor take out a loan to pay for the college? Couldn't they sort of like. Use the monthly fifteen hundred dollars or whatever that comes in to kind of pay for college.
1: That's the way I was thinking
0: about.
2: Well, it. Well, I guess you can if you have a, an installment plan. Normally, you have to plunk down quite a bit. Like your first, you know, your tuition payments usually come in in bigger, a big chunk, yeah, in bigger chunks. So I guess it depends on when the house is paid off. So if the house is paid off prior to the the child going off to college, you're going to put those that those rental payments after the house is paid off in a new account, and it would hopefully build up. But normally what investors do is buy a building when a child is born. Not necessarily, he's already thinking just way ahead. He's like one or two steps ahead of what most investors
0: do. That's such an interesting perspective that you're sharing with me, Shannon, because I've never thought about, I want to buy an investment property and just not make any money for 15 years.
2: Well, and because normally what we do is when we buy investment properties, we put it on a 30-year or buy it outright you know what I mean like depends so you're saying we are making money
0: every month because they're paying down our loan for us yes but my goal right now I'm like I want passive income I want to make that extra money right
2: so your goal is different your goal you came in and said I want to pay for my college education and so that's my goal as well as to buy a building to pay for both Milana and Maddox college education because I've tried the, the college savings plan and it doesn't appreciate as fast as a building does
0: but ideally, he would also, in the meantime, before college, he'd be getting, you know, a couple hundred extra dollars if possible to help pay for his current home and his current dinners out with his wife or whatever, you know, if possible. And I don't, and I'm guess so the question that someone should, should consider is, is the home that you currently own, probably have a mortgage on, is it a good deal? Or is it a good investment? I mean, would it be a good investment property? I mean, the three times All right, the charm. so
2: then it would it be if he walked in here today and said, is this a house to buy for an investment? I mean, like then we'd have to have a whole set of questions, different and, kinds
0: and, of questions. And my attitude is that you would, I would say, no. Oh, you're going to maybe make $50 a month. Probably not the best one to buy. Your attitude is someone might be like, well, it's, it's like a sure thing because it's going to be, it's going to appreciate. It's going to be in a good area. It's never going to be worth less. I'm always going to have renters. That's yeah now weird. that's
2: all true and good, however, then the next set of questions is, but do you need this house to sell or do you do you have other another form of down payment and can that, you qualify that, for additional mortgages you know even though you you will rent this out and they will there's a formulation that they'll use so um, you're saying
0: the next your next thing to consider is do you have to sell it to take your equity out to use it as a down payment on the next house?
2: yeah, to really truly because you also said one of his goals is to upsize, or you said that. Yep. yep. So, in the part of the consideration for keeping or selling this house is because his next step is upsizing. So, typically, when you upsize, part of buying a first time um, home or a home is is you building that equity and that, and that appreciation together mm-hmm. to be able to upsize. Sell your home, to get a big chunk of cash, and put it yes, down. Yes. And that's how you upsize typically. In a normal scenario, if that's not the case for you necessarily, like you could keep this and you have another form of a down payment, then, um, and then you have to take that into consideration because do you have a 20% down payment or will you be paying mortgage insurance every month? And is that, and then is that now worth, I mean, depending on the price point of a home that you purchase that... Mortgage insurance can be set a couple hundred dollars a month.
0: I guess in theory someone could keep their current home. If they have a bunch of equity, they could take out a home equity loan. You yes. know, check with your lender about this, but take out a home equity loan and use that as a down payment on their next home. But then they really need to, to get that 20
2: to that 20% to at get the that, very least so they're not paying that mortgage insurance.
0: There you go. And so then they need to consider their payment on that home equity loan though and do they would they consider that as an expense towards the new rental property? Yes. Or would they consider that as an expense towards their new house? Um, In their mind.
2: Well, it's going to all end up being the same because it's in... It it is the same, but if we go, Oh my God,
0: this rental property is a money loser now with this extra payment in it.
2: No, they just say that as your debt.
0: I'm saying like when we're sitting here evaluating it on our own spreadsheets, not the lender. I, I think I would put the... I would put the payment for that home equity line towards the new, the upsized house in my mind, not towards the rental property. Because if you put it, if you start charging it to the rental property, then the rental property is really going to make less cash flow.
2: Now it's negative.
0: Yeah, now you're losing money every month. But you wouldn't have done it if it wasn't for needing the down payment. Um, so do you mind if I kind of go through some of the general expenses that you're going to have when you rent a home?
2: Yeah. That may not be, which is what you're saying. You're not sure what to consider?
0: Yeah, so when someone's, I guess when you're doing your spreadsheet, you know, you should consider the your current mortgage payment, obviously. Your insurance costs, which for a lot of people is considered in their mortgage payment. Uh, repairs, I expect, uh, when I'm doing this, I anticipate uh, 10% of whatever the monthly rent is to go towards um, what I call maintenance. So, repairs and maintenance. Taxes, again, a lot of the taxes, a lot of people, their taxes are included in their mortgage payment. HOA fees, if it's in a subdivision or in a condo. Management fees, if you're going to use a property manager. um, You know, I, when I'm evaluating a property, I like to put management fees onto my spreadsheet, even though I might just manage the property myself. I'd like the property to be profitable even if I wanted to hire a manager. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay.
2: And we've talked about this, just in case you end up moving out of town or you get a job transfer.
0: Yeah, you might end up having to hire a management company. Uh vacancies, so I also like to I personally like to put in 10% kind of a withhold or whatever for vacancy in case it it's empty for a month or so while the when the tenant moves out and you're looking for the next tenant. Commission if you're going to pay a real estate agent commission to find a tenant for the property and uh well, this says advertising. So, if you're going to rent your property by yourself and like do some your own advertising,
1: so can I ask you a question? Yeah, uh, one of the things you mentioned was uh, I think 10 percent of the rent going towards a emergency fund of maintenance fund. I think uh-huh. is what you said. Um, did you get to a certain point where, let's say, you have one property? Because I have one property, and what I did was. I did that maintenance fee until I got to a a certain amount uh, that could, whatever could possibly happen, happen, I could just cover it with that amount. Do you still consider, like, do you just keep putting into that?
0: Well, yeah. I mean, so for me, I'm a little bit crazy. I like to keep about five grand per rental property, per unit of each rental property and what I call a maintenance reserve. So I actually have the management company hold that five grand, right? Mm -hmm. And do I keep growing that bigger than five grand? No, I don't. But I think what I'm finding and what the kind of the uh, equation is expecting is that every year I'm probably going to be spending at least some 10% of that. You know, the, I just had a a water heater break on one of my properties, you know, okay. I got to send out someone and spend probably a few hundred, if not $800 on a new water heater or something like that. You know, that kind of stuff is just going to come up. And so even if it hasn't come up for you every year, all of a sudden, one year you might need a big thing like a new furnace or a new roof or something like that, and and you'll probably end up maybe using two years if you hadn't if you had a good year where you had very low expenses.
2: You like to have a big cushion, so typically when we sit around and work out numbers for rental properties, he'll take thirty percent off the top, just like that.
0: Yeah, that's management, maintenance, and vacancy.
2: Where typically it's five percent for vacancy is what most people take most. Well, that's on the average, so they
0: might do that, but I mean, think if you think about it, I hire a realtor to to list my home for lease in most cases, and then and I'm generally paying out one month's rent. Yes, right. So one divided by twelve is eight point three percent already. I, I think you know check my math, but I think that's like eight point three percent. So then if it's if it takes them more than a month or a month and you know two weeks or whatever, I'm at my ten percent. Yeah. Okay. You know so. I I don't know. I think 10% is pretty reasonable.
1: So what do you what is a typical fee for a um agent to go rent my house out? And is there any um guarantee that you know you sign a lease for 6 months uh, or not 6 months, I'm sorry. Usually a year. If they leave early, is there something that you you know work out with your agent that they go find somebody at a lower cost? So that-
0: I, I think I have to be kind of can- careful about how we answer this because we're on the air or whatever. I don't want to set commission standards or whatever like that. But I would say that roughly it's in general going to be somewhere around one month's rent to find a tenant. And what I've seen is the listing agent keeps the lion's share of that. And then the agent that's representing the tenant is going gonna, is gonna to keep a lot less of that. Okay. And so... But it's still one month's around one month's rent charge to you, the property owner. Can you find an agent who will do it for more or less? Probably, sure. And then, in terms of the like, what if the tenant stops paying after six months or something like that? There's lots of different types of things you can put into your lease to try to protect yourself. There, some I've heard of companies having like a um, renter guarantee or something like that, where they will re-rent it for you for free if the tenant doesn't stay for a certain amount of time. Um, one of the things that I've seen people do that, that we like to do is is uh, have like a two-month, equivalent to two-month lease breaking fee. So if our tenant emails us and says, you know, just broke up with my boyfriend, whatever, I need to move out, I want to break the lease, we have in there a set fee. and And I argued that to the death for a long time. But what we found is that People are more likely to pay that fee knowing what it is than before than when we didn't have it and they just didn't know what was going to happen. They would sort of ghost out, you know, and then we'd be trying to go after them for the rest of the lease or something like that, you know, so we're more likely to collect that fee because people know what it is. All right. So then some other things that someone should consider if they're trying to decide if they want to rent their home or sell it on the renting side is kind of, are they okay with being a landlord? You know, the reason that our company started a property management company was back in the, sort of the market crash of 2000, I call it 2007, 2008, that that time frame. We would go to listing appointments and we would say, hey, we'd love to sell your house. This is going to be great. You know, it looks like we can sell your house for 150,000. And they'd say, well, we owe 170,000, you know? And we're like, oh, gosh. Call us when you want to lose $20,000, you know? And so what we found then is we're going, wait, hold on. What is your payment? And they're like $800. I'm just throwing numbers out here. We're like, dang, well, this thing can rent for 1100 right? And they're like, oh, okay, that's an option. But what if the toilet leaks at night, you know, and they get to call me or something like that? So then we're like, well, we'll manage it for you too. And that's kind of how our management company started. But a lot of people are not comfortable with the idea of being a landlord, you know? We did have people, some people in those cases that would say, oh no, I'd rather lose the $10,000, you know, and...
2: Than have to deal with the tenant.
0: Than have to deal with the sort of unknown thing out there about what expenses am I going to be facing? What's going to be happening? You know, what emotions am I going to feel when I drive past the house and they don't take as good a care of the yard as I used to?
2: Right. And that's the other thing. No tenant is going to take care of your house. The how, You know, it's one thing to come in and buy a, an investment property and you have no real emotional attachment to it. I think it's another thing in it to lease out your personal home that you were living in, that you have this emotional attachment to, because there isn't anyone, even if they are an awesome renter and tenant, that is going to take as good a care of the home as you do.
1: You're absolutely correct. I My uh, home that is a renter a rental right now, the first couple of people I had a hard time when I would go in there and check it and I'd be like, Oh God, why are you, you know? And mm-hmm. I was like, I can't, I had to change that mindset of like, this is not my house anymore. This is a, you know, this investment, is a- investment, yeah, it's investment. And I think my wife might have a harder time because this was her first house that she bought. And to her, it's like, Why do they change the paint color or, you know, well,
2: things like that should be in the lease anyway about changing like actual like paint colors and stuff like that. But then if you go in, it's never going to be as clean. It's not going to be dusted. It's not going to be fine tuned. There's going to be nicks and dents. And that's kind of part of that consideration of taking in that maintenance cost. It's not just the heater or the AC or the roof or um, but it's fixing it back up. When you want to actually go sell it,
0: totally. Yep. My wife makes fun of me because when we drive, we you know I, we used to live in these two different homes on the hill, and whenever we drive past them, I'm always commenting about the yard on the one, and I don't like where the new people on the other one where they keep the trash cans. And she's always like, we drive by, she's like, here it comes, and I'm like, what are they doing with that there? You know, like <laughs> she's always making fun of me. So, um, so keeping uh, another thing to keep in consideration is the market. Is the market going to go up or down in your mind, you know, in your crystal ball, right? If the market's going to go up, maybe you want to keep the property. If it's going to go down, maybe it's a good time to sell it and like cash out while you can, you know? So what does your crystal ball say at the time, I guess?
2: Yeah, I mean, mean, nobody can predict that. So I don't want to comment just because I don't want to back us into a corner. But typically, I mean, uh, homes appreciate right over time um and if you bought it and if it's in a really good position you got it for a good de- good enough deal and you know like even if it crashed do you you know you're still just going to keep paying off that mortgage anyway so because yep. it sounds like it, once you decide which way you go with this particular home the home you're living in now you're probably you're once you head down that path that yep. you're he- you're going to stay on that path yeah. so, so
0: so you know consult a tax accountant about this one but there there are potentially a lot of tax benefits to you for owning a rental property. You know, depreciation, depreciating the chattel, all that kind of stuff, to, uh, writing off your uh, interest, those types of things. So if you're the type of person who wants to save on their taxes and kind of thinks it's worth it, that's another thing to consider if you want to rent it. Uh, now, selling. Let's talk about, about selling. So if you do sell, you'll have a lot less headaches. Right. Because you won't have tenants you'll have to deal with. You won't have to drive past the property and do maintenance. You'll have.
2: You won't get calls in the middle of the night that the light bulb burnt out.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, and then you'll have your big down payment. You know, so yep. there, there's obviously. So, yeah, pros and it's cons like a both. cut and
2: dry. So, either you decide to move on, you keep it as a, an intentional, specific purpose of a college education type thing for the, your reasoning, and, or you just move on with your life. You sell it and you move on. Yeah. So, dep- yeah, I guess it depends on what you're willing to take on.
0: Okay, your next question was how to deal with junky neighbors when trying to sell your home. Those are your words, well, wait, not mine. But,
2: Let's, what, how do you feel about like where you're at now? Like, Oh, yeah, okay, just sorry. That whole
0: question. So are you going to rent or sell? Or you need to do some evaluating?
1: I, I think I'm going to rent. Like, I already have a rental property.
0: So for me, you I already know what yeah. you're in for. And each time I
1: rent out to different People, I learned something new about like this screening process or things that I should add to the contract. Um, it's uh, you know, it's being married now, and now I got somebody else that uh, I have to take into consideration when making the decision. But uh, my wife is definitely on board with it. But I was just trying to make sure that okay, now this would mean I would have three houses, and it's like okay, it's different when you have one house that you is your residence and then one rental now it's two rentals plus a you know a home that you live in
0: yeah so. okay so and you would keep that house you wouldn't sell it and take the money and buy another different rental property or two or three or a four family building or something well, like
1: well i kind of thought about that also because it's like we could just sell that and then use that to go uh buy a four family flat in a place that is you know, up and coming, or that mm-hmm. it's already
0: maybe.
2: But uh, I still think you could use that, still keep that house. Take out a home equity line of credit and still do the same thing. If
0: he's been living there long enough and has enough equity, totally.
2: Yeah, Yeah. that's assuming there's equity in the house. That's for sure. Yep. But that's you're assuming the same thing by saying you're going to sell that house, Mm -hmm. have your down payment, and go buy other rental properties. So you're saying the exact same thing. Totally. It just depends on if you want how you want to go about it. But and I'm a big proponent for using um, home equity lines of credit on your rental properties too. Yeah. Yeah. So the other one that you have. Right, yep. so taking out a home equity line of credit and leveraging that equity to buy another property, though. Yep. And now that's that's a different, you know, yeah, that's yep. a different approach, and it's a little bit maybe riskier. It's it's not for everybody. Yep. But
1: so, a question for you guys, we'll staying on the rental thing, um, because these are things that I kind of learned the hard way. But it's like, uh, you know. It's always like you go have if you have a uh, a tenant that you're about to rent out or you have a rental property that's needs to be rented out. How do you distinguish what you what's important when looking for a renter? Because you know I do a background check. Yeah, I look at the credit score, and then it's like, what's a good credit score to like you know like to be like okay this is.
2: So I don't decent. know. How, I mean, I have mine, but I don't know. What I know it's, it's really and it's. Like, yeah. I mean, the, uh, typical qualifications when people call to ask is, you know, a credit score of maybe around 600-ish, it Not I mean, if it's a little below that, like um, no criminal history, solid empl- um, work history and current employment, a verification of the uh, current uh, employment has to be um, something that they do, as well as contact previous landlords and then what else do we do no bankruptcies like there's certain like little cri- little criterias so, so do I you mean, do
1: reference trucks
2: yeah well, now we have a company that does it yeah okay
1: and do they give back like because i would think that if i called somebody that was that had a bad tenant and now they want to move that from that place and move into my place i would assume that landlord's like oh yeah they're great please get them out I of know, my place sir. <laughs> sure sure
0: they might say that, but I, I think in general, it's the questions like, would you re-rent? And hopefully the people are honest, you know? Okay. I mean, get them out of my place. But I think They're some of their questions anyway. are really
2: interesting. Like, so the company itself asks, uh, this newer, this new one that we've gone to some. I think, interesting questions. I mean, they ask, like, would you re-rent to them? Did you have, uh, uh, that? like, did they have bed bugs? Did they have, like, it's, it's some really interesting questions that you're like, wow, okay, like... That's a. Those yeah, are newer ones.
0: Roughly, what I like to see is income that is at least three times whatever the rent is. Okay. So if the rent's a thousand dollars, I'd like to see verifiable income of at least three thousand dollars in total between all the adults in the home. Okay. Right? That's a
1: that's a good tip. I didn't, you know.
0: Yeah, that, I mean, the credit score thing and and the criminal history and all that kind of stuff. I mean, it's sort of I think that totally varies. You know, I mean, depends on sort of like the type of rental property it is you're if it's like a, like a lower income type of property, then in a lot of cases the people are going to have not as good of a credit score, you know, but then if you want to get deeper into that, it's like, is it medical things that cause their credit problems? Is it evictions? Is it like too many credit cards? Like what, what kind of stuff is hurting their credit? I like to tell people that we like to look at the full picture because even if someone has an 800 credit score, but they're like an ax murderer, then we probably wouldn't want to accept them necessarily. True. You know, you really have to be careful when you're, when you're doing this because there's all these like what they call protected classes and you, and you can't not rent to someone for all these different types of reasons, you know? Um, And things that the, the um, general good person or whatever wouldn't consider anyway, you know? Yeah. Um, It's like, race, religion, sexual orientation, gender. In the city, it's source of income.
2: Familiar uh,
0: status. Familial status. There's there's things like that. Okay. And so, um, you know, in general, you you shouldn't, in my opinion anyway, you shouldn't be like, oh, I don't like your race, so I'm not going to rent to you. you know? And so there okay. are a
2: couple of people, that um, investors, that have had come to us just to lease out a place just because they want to take that back seat during the renting process so they can never be accused of... Um, you know, any of those issues. So they actually just kind of step out of that process and then take over the management once it's rented. Mm
0: -hmm. All right, your next question that you sent in was how to deal with junky neighbors when trying to sell your home. And I thought it'd be fun if we could for a second brainstorm on all the different things that your word, junky neighbors, could mean. And I think when you say that, I'm just from knowing you, you're talking about a person who has like all sorts of crap sitting around in their yard, right? It's like, yeah, do you, so what do you, you really need the old... Question?
2: Is there a specific scenario? So
1: my rental property, uh, before I was going to sell it, uh, the people next door, uh, they had a ATV, uh, like those all uh, off-road you know, mm-hmm. uh, vehicles yeah. on the side of the house, uh, along with like a trailer. Like a four-wheeler yeah, like type thing? Bigger than a four-wheeler. Okay. A bit, yeah, but yeah, like a four-wheeler. And then the backyard was just junky and just not well manicured yeah. is yep. in your eyes. Yeah. Okay. Um, and in the front lawn, they had, uh, just like plastic chairs sitting, you know, at their little in front of their front door and, and um,
0: like mismatched <laughs> and half broken kind of thing.
1: Yeah. And then, you know, a, a truck that was broken down kind of, you know, mm-hmm. on blocks cause they were working on it type of thing, you know? <laughs>
0: So some other examples that I've seen was like the neighbor has um, like literally plants growing out of their gutter. Like they just obviously do a really job maintaining their property. They don't do anything good with their yard. Uh, we've seen neighbors that are just crazy rude, you know? So, I mean, I've been showing properties the hoarders. before. The hoarders is another one. Yes. Yeah. But I've been showing property before and the neighbor comes over and talks about how, bad the neighborhood is or, or how terrible those people who lived in the house were or you know did you know that that house has settling issues or whatever because they're trying to scare us off for some reason you know what other examples do you have there
2: uh, problem dogs
0: problem dogs yeah so we oh. go to a house and we're like look at this lovely black yard wouldn't you like to sit out here and barbecue on the weekends and it's like wah, 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 like
2: uh, that's three more dogs than a few on both times. sides are barking yeah where you can't carry on a conversation you're looking at it and the dogs are so loud mm-hmm that's that's definitely a problem they, there's, there's
0: a lot of people that seem to like to go garage sailing and they just don't quite make the stuff all the way in the house <laughs> you know
2: overgrown lawns yeah, yeah. like
0: it- what about the
1: super uh, what is it called People that love to decorate for every holiday, and you got a big <laughs> Easter bunny, and or like during oh the oh my ho- gosh,
2: oh we have a few around the neighborhood of the blow up like uh, Christmas, the blow yeah. It's up like I for get it. Holiday every Christmas, there's one that I just I just laugh. It's he has them hanging out out his window on top of the roof, every inch, and now it's even crawling into the neighbors. Uh-huh. And so I'm always like, "Ooh, that's interesting." Yeah.
0: We had a property where from the second floor window you could see into the neighbor's yard. And there was like 15 or so, I swear, bags, huge bags full of empty beer cans. It's like Um, the trash can's right there. Is that a negative or a positive? Yeah. It's like probably fun, (laughs) but like, you know, there's.
2: I'm not sure I see the negative in that one. (laughs) Clean
0: it up. Clean it up. It just doesn't look great. So the question is, how do you deal with that? Right? Yeah. Uh, Shannon, I'm leave you to this one. <laughs> I think that there's there's situations where you can like if you want to, you can offer to help like clean well, up. Well, I, mean, I think it-
2: first and foremost, when you move into the home, I think it is your responsibility to be neighborly. Um, I don't think that you have to be best friends with your neighbors, but I do think it is a responsibility to um, at least make nice Um, so this is so
0: you're saying, like, start from From the the beginning.
2: beginning, From the beginning, I think you have to play fair and play nice. Show up with a pie, yeah. Introduce yourself and just be neighborly. And if they're obnoxious or totally not your kind and junk, you know, like like to go garage sailing and throw it all in the backyard, whatever. So it's not your thing. And what you have to remember is, arts in the eye of the beholder, right? So they don't have a problem with it. You might find it to be an eyesore. But then you have to remember that's your problem. That's not their problem. So you have to make sure that the approach on this is um, uh, that you carefully approach it. So, and then the second thing is that you have to be a good na- uh, you. You know, you can't cast stones when your own property is in need of a few touch-ups too.
1: So, do you, so think you think that guys it- are you guys answering it from the point of perspective that I end up buying the house and then? No, she oh, was just starting okay.
0: off with like, hey, when you bought this house that you're not oh, considering gotcha, selling, gotcha. you should have Are been nice to those, those the people neighbors? in the first place. No. And you've been rude to them this whole time, so now it's going to make it harder for you to show up with a pie and go, hey, how about you clean your junk off? <laughs> Remember that bike that's been in your front yard for six months? How about that goes in the garage, you know?
1: Or the cooler that's in the garage. <laughs> um,
2: and then, you know, so I guess then it goes into ask.
0: Yeah, ask. I think, I think I'm think i saying, when all else fails, communicate, right? Yeah, just so, I
2: mean, and they may not know, like, that, that that you're trying to sell the house and that you want, you know, and so you kind of have to ask first, and then two, offer solutions. Offer to help. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, maybe they can't afford it, or maybe, you know, if you go over and say, can I clean up your yard? Can I do a little maintenance? Can I trim that out? I'm going to have an open house this weekend. They might be like have at it guy like
0: I mean it's going to help them anyway because essentially you're you're raising the property value. When right, you sell and I your think home, it's worth you know?
2: pointing that out that it's going to raise the property value. And
0: in your case you might go like hey guys I know you don't like me. And so <laughs> good news is if you can help me here I'm going to be moving away. <laughs> you know.
2: Yeah. So it's also been suggested uh, suggested like for the hoarder or maybe for that four wheeler I'm not sure is to offer to buy him a shed. Or- I think it's a very interesting um, offer but for a few hundred bucks you could buy a shed and That's, you could sell your house
0: that seems extreme right but i mean i guess
2: for a few hundred bucks and you sell well, your house like in the term of no likes, th- and yeah. from those
0: terms it makes sense but my fear is like i buy a shed and then they they put it up <laughs> halfway and they don't put anything in it or no they, you you, know, no
2: part of that is making sure it goes up and saying can i help you put there, some stuff in there and they like don't yeah buy it's some kind of the stuff. whole process yeah Um, so the junk cars, right, came up, right? So, um, that's always a really hard one. So, um, if they're not willing to have it towed off or move it or fix it, then the last option is obviously the municipality calling the city and complaining about it, a derelict vehicle.
0: Just start complaining about your neighbors.
2: Well, unfortunately.
0: Uh-huh, okay.
2: Yeah, so I mean... But like
0: that's, your HOA or the city or whatever. Yeah,
2: the HOA, I mean the city. Um, but I you know, I don't know that they always do much about it because if it's on private property, that's kind of the hard thing too. What do you think? What, how would you take care of it? Li- you know?
0: I, li- I mean, I like that idea. You know, my HOA has what they call... Uh, what the, they seem to have their own flexibility to call anything that they want to a nuisance and so if the neighborhood didn't like the junk car, for example, I think they would they would probably, maybe not, I don't know, if they could do it with a junk car, if it's still working and it's registered and it's licensed and all that stuff, I don't know that they could just say, I don't like your Camaro or whatever. Um, but a lot of other the other junk and stuff, they could say that it's a nuisance and they can make you get rid of it.
2: Yeah, but I think when you're in, like say, the city, where mm-hmm. there is no HOA or yeah, you know, Any type of... I think it can be a little bit harder, but...
0: What about, like, a suggestive activity? Like, if you're out there on a beautiful day and you're, like, cleaning up your yard, maybe that'll sort of motivate them to, you know, get out there and clean up their yard a little bit, too, or something like that. So,
2: yeah, beautification can be contagious. You know, so if you um, do some curb appeal...
0: I like that. Beautification can be contagious. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Yeah, then you go... You know, we're just doing a neighborhood cleanup project, and we're going to start <laughs> on your house. Yes,
2: um, right. Or here, I have extra plants. Do you want to plant them, or do uh-huh. you, can you? You know, do you want me to plant them?
0: Yeah, do you need these flowers? Mm-hmm. I'd like to buy that broken down bicycle from you. <laughs> <Yes>.
2: <laughs> That's a really good idea. Start Why don't just uh, start own? offering to buy some of the material? Like some of the items in that and say, Hey I, I never are thought are you that. Uh, are you selling that? Yeah. Great. Name your price. And then <laughs> and then have it towed off to the junkyard, I guess. <laughs> I don't even know.
0: So we I know we didn't give you any like super solid answers there. I think it seems like it's kind of on a case by case basis. Like Have you guys done any of these things when you're trying to sell a house for somebody
1: and you're realizing that you're gonna have a hard time selling this house because of so the privacy
2: neighbors. fences go a long way too by the way
1: okay
0: yeah i'm trying to think of an example yes. i i just sold a house um in dogtown that did not have the best looking neighbors across the street but in this market it seems like it, it's just kind of a hot market anyway and people were just well i think anyway. that's you a know? little
2: bit more acceptable in the city too you just get all kinds you know yeah
0: like, different areas like the city yeah. they have you know a five hundred thousand dollar house right next to a um Junker or whatever.
2: Yeah, an LRA property. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, what about a privacy fence? Would that help with at least the backyard situation?
1: Yeah, I think I. I think I looked at uh, doing a privacy fence, um, and I think it was just me being cost efficient uh, and like, why would I? put a fence in if i'm going to be trying to sell this house but it makes sense because it's it, that's yeah. to me that's better than having that awkward conversation with the neighbor that i don't well, want well you have still might have to
2: have that awkward conversation depending on the property lines i don't know exactly where the house is but in the city they're usually fences are just kind of like there's not usually two fences backed up to each other it's just yeah. one fence so you could either go in and say hey do you want to go in on this privacy fence i'm adding it to my whole yard and trying to um you know, it's a desirable feature and I'm getting ready to sell the house, you know, just try and play it off a little bit. Yep. Um, but, and see if they want to go in on their part and if they say no, then you just go ahead and say, just do it and say, do you mind if I do it? You know, or if it's on a property line, if it's within your property lines, then it's
1: gotcha.
0: Have you considered just not being so lame and maybe embracing this free living <laughs> lifestyle? <laughs> <laughs> you know what that's I mean? the other option like think about it man just throw your junk anywhere you want and, like take stuff out of your car and just throw it on the ground this is you've known me for a very long time
1: that is not gonna happen <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's, that's you <laughs> you've known I me mean? for a very long time okay I think you had some other questions for us don't you some uh, other things you think the listeners would like to hear
1: um, when I posted my rental I had tons of people that wanted to come look at it and I kind of did it on a like base by base like okay this first person is going to look at it if they like it great then that's the person i'm going to go with if they meet all the criteria criteria, like that we kind of talked about before how do you handle a situation so
0: so there's sort of like i have kind of two answers or two directions to go with that question i guess you know there's do you take the first person that applies if they would be acceptable and then but also how do you deal with all the leads right I just listed a house, I bought a house in Sunset Hills recently. I've had over 180 leads on that property, meaning over 180 emails of people contacting me. What do I do? How do I, how do I do that? Did I literally have to go over to that house 180 times? You know. So what our leasing agents do a lot is they'll kind of schedule open houses, you know, and so they'll say, "Hey, I'll be there Thursday from three to five, or Saturday from one to two, or whatever," and which is an amazing thing to do because. One of the things that happens is you, you know, someone plot or someone emails you, says, Hey, I want to see this house. You go, Great, how's Thursday at three? They go, Awesome, that's perfect. And then you call them Thursday at one, Hey, just wanted to confirm we're still going to meet Thursday at three. And they go, Awesome, yeah, I'll definitely be there. And then you show up at the house Thursday at three and they never show up. And they, just, they won't answer your call <laughs> and you just never hear from them again. And it seems like that's almost like 60 to 70% of the time. That's about what happens, right? And so, That's where the open houses come into play where you can just save a lot of time. The other thing that's cool about the open house is now in theory, there's, you know, five or six or whatever different people all at the house at the same time. So they get the perspective. This is a popular property and it encourages them to take action sooner, you know? And so then what we do is we let anyone who's interested, we let them apply. And then we, we like to go for the best, most, or I should say most qualified applicant. You know, and there are perspectives out there that you should do it one by one because it could be considered like discriminatory or whatever going against the, the things that we mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. But we just don't, I just don't feel that way. You know, if I have one person who's got great income, great credit and um, good criminal history or whatever, but another person has better income, better credit or whatever, then like I'm making my decision based on that, not off of anything else other than that you know i want as the landlord i want the person who's most likely to a pay the rent b take care of the property and c in my opinion i like i want someone who's going to stay there a long time if possible yeah you know? I like,
1: yeah. I like the idea of the open house because that was my issue. I had to, and I didn't live close. Yeah. Uh, it was a 30 minute drive. So each time I would have to go out there mm-hmm. and show it. to And so then I started getting a little bit smarter. and am like, okay, I would try to schedule them back to back, you mm-hmm. know? Uh, so one person would be there from one to one thirty, and the next person get there at one 30, but have that's, hard to, that's hard yeah. to do yeah.
2: because you're like, okay, it's one thirty good for you. Okay. Yeah. Is, you know, like, so yeah, we just typically take time blocks. I'll usually do anywhere from an hour to an hour and a half. If it's, you know, I don't know that I've ever done two hours, but if you have to, if it's a really hot property. Yeah. I mean, I just take my a book and just like open up and be like, here you go. Go ahead. You know, mm-hmm. walk it out and so and answer and be like, let me know how to answer questions. And then here's where you apply, you know, so um, yeah, I just kind of open the door and I tell him, I'm like, I'll have it for open. I'll be there from one to three.
0: On the, to this do. last one I just did, I was over there and while they're looking around, I had my broom and I'm like sweeping up the front porch and the driveway and all this stuff. And I, a kept me occupied cause I would be bored just sitting there for an hour. I like to sort of stay out of people's way. But also I wondered if that, did that sort of set some sort of mentality? Like, Hey, this guy's the property owner. He likes to take care of his property. You know, like he's probably going to want us to do the same thing.
2: Well, sure. I mean, if it's your property, um, why not t- t- knock out a few tasks while you're over there for two hours and then have that be the time block that people come and take a look at the house?
0: But so what people do is, you know, we have people go, we go, go to com slash rent. Okay. And that's where they can go and they can apply. They pay their money for the application. It goes to a third party company that we use. And so to us, it doesn't have I don't want this to, to be misconstrued, but we don't have any cost associated with somebody applying. So we would rather, you know, more people apply and that way we can take the most qualified applicant. Does that make sense?
2: Yeah. And you know, so it kind of does depend like if, um, um, I don't know. Sometimes I, I don't know about having multiple applicants. Cause I'm like, gosh, I feel bad if, you know, think about it renters get really upset if they have to pay $50 every time they have to apply somewhere and then there's many applicants. And so yeah, they're spending 50 a 100 now and then 150 And yeah. so I'm like...
0: But it's not really... F- I don't. I just don't see it as fair. If I have an open house, three people are standing in front of me going, I want the house, what do I do? And I say, go apply. And one of them does it right there on their phone. One of them drives home and does it on their computer. And one of them does it when they get to work the next day. How is it fair that only the person who did it first... Gets, I don't know. I'm going to say, if
2: they do it within a relatively short period of time in that way, yeah. like within oh, the yeah. next, within that day, you get a couple. I think that, but after that, when people call, I'd be like, you know, we've gotten a few applicants.
0: Totally, totally, absolutely. So that, if it's in a too. short
2: amount of time, then I'm like, it, 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 yeah. that does happen. Because when a day you do that two. open house type thing when you give them this time block and there's five people walking <laughs> through the house, they're like, oh, there's a, a rush to actually go ahead and apply versus sitting on it and hope coming around and I don't
0: want to waste people's money either, you know, but uh, again, we've been burned so many times by people that say, I'm going to,
2: Oh my gosh, I love it. Yeah. Now that apply. does happen too. And they never do never hear from them again.
0: So God forbid you would tell everyone the rest of that day. Oh, sorry. We already have someone that's going to apply. Then you, I mean, you just are not. not and that
2: you. I've never done. I mean, until somebody actually applies, I don't call it done.
0: Okay. Yep.
1: Yeah. That's what, that's what I learned last time is that, uh, I think from my previous experience, I, you know, the person said they were going to apply and I kind of just waited. And then a couple of days later, and then, then mm-hmm. they changed their mind. I felt like I got burned from that. So yes. then I went to the opposite extreme, like everybody apply. I'm going to look at it on this day and then kind of go from there. But then I, I felt back cause I'm like, wow, I think it was like 50 bucks for the, and it wasn't coming to me. It was going to the, the third, third party. Yeah. Third mm-hmm. party. And, and they're like, but I paid, I was like, I'm sorry. Like I didn't like,
0: you There's know. sometimes where they're like, "Well, I paid to apply," and we're like, "But, but why did you? Like, you have you have really, really bad, like, stuff yeah." And for then so we do there. tell them the
2: qualification. That's why we give a roundabout qualifications, and this, uh, you know, with the exception of you know, like case by case basis, like just because you have a you know some criminal. If you history, have a four hundred a four hundred yeah.
0: credit score, you should have maybe mentioned that to me before you spent your money on your application fee. You know. I don't know. And I people
2: think... do. They'll ask, you know, what kind of credit score. And I'll be like, well, 600-ish. Ish. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Like, we've definitely taken lower. Yeah. Totally. But at the same time, um, yeah. So the, knowing the qualifications, that in and of itself, they should know whether or not they qualify.
0: Well, we really appreciate you being here today, Hinoch. I love that you sent in these questions and then were willing to come in. Shannon and I have always kind of wanted a non-quote-unquote real estate person to be a guest. And so you're our first one. I hope the listeners are thinking, wow, that was must have been awesome for Henoch. I really want to be a guest on their show now and come in and ask a bunch of questions.
2: Ask my own personal questions. Ask my it own personal questions. yeah.
0: If so, just email us, just like Henoch did, podcast at HermanLondon.com. Herman with two N's, by the way. And just send us a message. I wanted to give a quick shout-out to... Someone named Bill Gasset, because when, Hanuk, when you sent me your questions, you know, we knew our own answers, but we wanted to make sure we had super kind of thorough answers. So I did some Googling and this guy had a a great website that had super thorough answers to both of our questions. So Bill Gasset is a realtor, I think, in Massachusetts. And we, I sort of used some of his ideas from his website today.
1: Awesome. Thank you so much for uh, having me and answering my questions.
2: Yeah. Well, thank you for coming
0: in. Yeah, perfect. And thanks everyone for listening and uh, take care.